well, 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 well. Well, welcome to an impromptu version of the Raven Raji podcast. I'm doing this via my phone, so it's a little different. But, um, I don't know. Uh, I think over the last few days, or really the last few weeks, um, the best topic I could talk about, and I know I was going to talk about Build 207. Thank God it was defeated. Um, so I'm going to skip that for now. Although the Kenny government can really lick my bag because they're terrible and they've made terrible decisions and caused me worry throughout this entire cut last month or so. Which brings me to my next topic of anxiety because anxiety plays a big part of what things how things are going and my anxiety's always been up and down but I mean it's been worse over the last little while so I mean like people have a real stigma on anxiety because I mean especially I mean and this is not to be separate men and women but uh, men in particular, like, I mean, I'm sorry if this offends you, but it's true that men are really conditioned not to look for help or seek help until it's too late. Um, the mental health, like, institutions are more, uh, it's, well, I actually Honestly, they screw both men and women in different ways. Because I would say the mental health institutions are more geared towards women, but then again, the the mental the mental health professionals tend to like dismiss women's concerns big time and chalk it up to like anxiety or like depression or whatever. And they might have an entirely different thing. They might have medical things going on. And, yeah, like, they... S the whole health profession screws us in different ways. So, like, I understand. I'm, I'm not saying, like, oh, well... The mental health professionals only cater to women because only women are taken seriously about mental health. Which is not true at all. Um, it's actually just really, in, as a whole, mental health is not really taken as seriously as it should be. So, um, I myself, since I've been, since I was 20 years old, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and uh, moderate depression, although, I don't know if I agree 100% with the diagnosis of moderate depression, because I can get fairly severe, but I, in the end, I, I mean, again, too, um, 
I can see why. I was also diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, but that was subsequently dismissed by actual, like, my first psychiatrist was not very good. Let's just say that. Um, uh, like, psychiatrists that I've seen afterward sort of dismissed the theory that I had borderline personality disorder. I mean... I do qualify for some of the criterium for borderline, but it's not, I mean, I dated a girl that was borderline, and let me tell you, there's a world of difference between uh, my impulse control and what her impulse control was, and this is not an indictment on people with borderline personality disorder, because I know quite a few other people with a, with true borderline that work on it and they're great people and there's a, that's another thing that people see board people with borderline as monsters they're demonized and that's completely unfair and it's stupid um the only thing with like um mental health things is if if you become what the mental health illness is like if that becomes your identity then I think I do have a problem with it and the girl that I dated became that identity and used it as an excuse to do bad things um and that's not what, like I can't respect that like Obviously, there's going to be slipbacks and fallbacks and stuff. Um, completely understand that. Um, and nobody's going to be perfect. Fuck, I'm not perfect. I definitely am not perfect. Um, but, you know, as long as you keep working at things, then I have respect for you. But if you allow that to become your identity and you just don't work and you just give up, then, like, I do lose respect for that. Anyways, with, like, in terms of my anxiety and stuff like that, I've been dealing with it for, I mean, 15 years now. Um, I can discuss medication and stuff that I've been on and whatnot. I might have a whole episode dedicated to that because um, I'm on what's called uh, a benzodiazepine, which I am weaning off of. Um, I was supposed to be on it for, like, doctors have this note that you're only supposed to be on benzodiazepines for about four to six weeks at most. I've been on them for almost like seven years. And they are the absolute worst drug to get off of. Period. End of story. Like, even opiate addicts and heroin addicts even, I've heard and seen, that say that benzos are even worse. Because the receptors that they use, the GABA receptors that they downregulate, you can't 
take medication to fix that. It only takes time. And time, it, it, it takes a very long amount of time to rebuild those receptors. And while that's doing that, you go through a myriad of different things. I mean, I personally am on blood pressure medication, and I'm not even off of the pills yet. I'm only weaning. Because your blood pressure shoots up, your heart rate shoots up, you have headaches, tinnitus, like, you just, you go through a gamut of different types of symptoms, like, you feel chest pain and, like, arm pain and chronic fatigue, like, you name it, you go through it, because that's the GABA receptors, that's how much it controls what your body feels. So if, you're, if your body's trying to replenish these receptors and replenish the way it normally is supposed to act, it's just going to take a toll on things, right? So, I mean, I'm no doctor, obviously, but honestly, a lot of doctors don't even know what the fuck they're talking about when they're talking about benzodiazepines anyways. Like, some of them, now it's like, Half of them hand, it out, hand them out like candy, and then half of them fucking refuse to prescribe them, which is also bullshit, because these are people, like doctors, these are doctors that used to hand them out like candy, and then all of a sudden, they're like CTing people or cold turkeying people, which can kill people. Absolutely, like, I'm not joking. It can literally kill people because it gives seizures, delirium trigger, or tremors. And, like, it's like if you had an alcoholic, because they do operate on very similar uh, receptors. If you had an alcoholic and you um, you decided that... You were just going to cut them off completely. They could die. It's a very similar um, thing with, in terms of benzodiazepines. You just can't cut people off. So, thankfully, I have a good doctor. He's like the top psychiatrist in town, like right now, and he understands completely. And he's not pulling me off of them. He's going very slow with me, which is what you're supposed to do. Like, I mean, one of the leading uh, psychiatrists, who unfortunately is deceased now, but she was quite old, uh, Dr. Heather Ashton, devised a plan uh, in terms of uh, benzodiazepines and how you're supposed to wean off of them and how you're supposed to come off of them. And she really revolutionized that field um and a lot of us who are accidentally addicts pretty much like i would call it us accidental addicts because really like i know the pamphlet says four to six weeks but the, our doctors would say oh well like something like what i take is clonazepam 
And they're like, oh, well, that can be taken long-term because, like, the half-life is different, right? Like, something like Xanax or Ativan has a short half-life, so it's meant to be taken, you know, as needed, blah, blah, blah. But, like, something like Clonazepam or Valium, which has a long half-life, meaning it lasts longer in your system, oh, you can take that, like, a bunch, whatever, like, well, not a bunch, you mean, you can take that every day or whatever, and it's not going to be such a big deal. Um, And honestly, for the first few years, it wasn't a big deal. Even when I missed doses or missed lots of doses, it actually didn't really affect me that much. I mean, it wasn't good, but it wasn't bad either. But, I mean, I think it finally caught up to me, for sure. And now, if I miss so much as a dose, like, one day or two days, I'm completely fucked. I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like my sensory is just completely fucked. Like, everything is just totally totaled. Um, Sorry for the shitty way of saying that, but I'm kind of, this is sort of like a stream of conscious type of uh, podcast for, for now, because I'm just sort of going off of thoughts. And, um, yeah, like, my anxiety has been much more severe since my dad died, too. Like, I mean, I figured I was on a much straighter path, and I was working out a lot, and, like, things were going well, my, like, I have high cholesterol, my cholesterol was good, and then I assume I go to the doctor, and, like, well, it's Monday right now, so I go to the doctor tomorrow, on Tuesday. I imagine he's going to tell me my cholesterol is so bad and I might have to go on statins, which I don't look forward to for sure. Because, I mean, that's just another thing with another bunch of side effects. You know, it's, I don't know. My body's breaking down and I'm not even fucking 40 yet. And I think that's pretty unfair, but... I understand it because of all the anxiety and all the panic attacks. That's got to take a toll on your system. Especially your heart and everything like that. I don't care what they say. And then, I mean, even if you look at the research, it's that people with anxiety die sooner than people without. Which makes total sense because if your body's driving in fight or flight so much, like, of, like, even if it's like a quarter of your year, every year, and my I'd say mine's like more like half of my year every year, or three quarters even, then it's gonna take a toll on your body. It's and that's what it's done. Like and now I'm in chronic fatigue and everything like that. And I mean and now I have lots of other things to worry about with our stupid fucking government in Alberta. Because they de-indexed age and they de-indexed income support. Income support is what I'm on right now. It's barriers to full employment because I can't fucking work because of the way that I feel. And even 
even more so now that I'm weaning off of benzodiazepines, I'm going to get withdrawal symptoms all the time. So, I mean, it's just unrealistic. But, I mean, who knows when I'm going to get cut off. Like, that's the bad thing. Like, at least with the NDP government, I knew I wasn't going to get cut off. Like, in fact, actually, I probably would have gotten a pay raise for my income support because that's what they were doing. They were indexing, which means they were adjusting for inflation of what prices are, which would have been great. But, of course, the UCP government with that fucking idiot at the helm is doing everything that he can to punish poor people because oil is not fucking, uh, like, $100 a barrel like it was when Ralph Klein was premier. Like, and even when Ralph Klein was premier and it was $100 a barrel, he still cut the shit out of all the programs. Like, that's the other thing, too, and then I know I'm going off in tangents, it's just like, we have the lowest GDP to debt ratio, yet people are freaking out like we're, like, fucking poor. And that's the entitlement of, like, Albertans, for sure. I'm sorry, but that's just that we are entitled. We had it good for a long time, and then... You know, like every other province, things fucking run out, things fade away. And the NDP was diversifying us because we need to stop just being an oil province. Because oil is not the future. And you can see it where all these big oil companies are divesting. And like this dinosaur Kenny is continuously putting everything into oil and just fucking stole teachers' pensions to invest in more oil stocks and all that stuff. Like, it's just ridiculous. This province is a joke right now. Like, and not to mention the corruption, but I'll talk about that another day. Anyways, back to anxiety and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just... It's been a lifelong struggle, and I mean, with everything with the government, it's been worse, because I don't know what's going to happen from day to day. Are my drugs going to be covered? There are now talks that they're going to switch the drugs now, and they might not be as effective, and stuff like that. It's just, it's a hellscape right now, so I really don't know what to do, honestly taking it day by day, really, because it's all I can really do, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, some days I wish I had more people to talk to, I mean, I know I have my, my therapist, but then I get sick, and then I don't feel like going, because, because it's kind of inconvenient. I mean, obviously, it's not the states. Where the states, it's like super inconvenient. You got to go to the town over, and it's like an hour and a half. But um, it's uptown, and like I don't drive, so it's kind of a pain in the ass to get there all the time. So uh, on days where I especially don't feel well, it's 
half the time I end up canceling and then it's just, you know, and then I need, but I need to talk to somebody. So it's just, it's a double-edged sword for sure. But, yeah. Um, with depression, like, uh, I know it said, like, it's kind of like moderate, but in the end, I, I don't think it's super moderate, actually. I, I would lean towards more... The severity is getting worse because of my father's death and all the death I've had to deal with in the past six years. It's just been... It's took... It's taken a huge toll, and I mean... Um, in Edmonton, it took a really hard toll, and I wish... I could take Edmonton back, like, not the actual place, like, I mean, I loved Edmonton, and I just wish I could take what I did back, you know what I mean, like, there's a lot of stupid things that I did that I won't go into, um, and I abused my friendships and stuff like that, I'll, I'll definitely just say that, for sure, and thankfully, there, I mean, the friend of mine that I abused was very gracious and understood, but I mean that's luck. Like, uh, I mean, luck and the fact that they're such a great person that they saw past me being a fucking moron and you know forgave me. You know, so, but. Obviously, that, that led to me leaving Edmonton, but what I was talking about more is taking taking a lot of pills and drinking, blacking out, you know, I, I abused my medication for sure when I was in Edmonton. I ballooned up to 240 pounds, and I was a mess. Like, I truly believe if I didn't do all that stuff... I would be much healthier now, but I couldn't cope with death. I just, and, I, and in Edmonton, I had nobody to talk to at all. I, I mean, sure, I had my friend that I lived with, and like his friend, um, which she, she's my friend as well, um, but. You know, like a therapist, therapist. I didn't, I hadn't set that up yet. Was going to, but then the other stuff happened, and then I ended up having to move back, um, which probably would have happened anyways. It seems it just things were not getting better, um, and that's my fault. Like I, I sank. So yeah. Um, this, this podcast is a little bit rambly, but I think with the anecdotes and everything, like with, um, uh, I mean, this is a personal podcast. This is a, a podcast about myself. So, I mean, if you decidedly don't want to listen, that's up to you, but this is what it's all about anyways. It's about anecdotes about my life and how I lived and things like that. And thankfully, I have so many good friends, and, you know, I'm lucky. I, I can't say I'm not lucky. Like, like, I mean, 
yeah, I got unlucky in the fact that my nephew passed away, my sister passed away, and my father passed away. Like, those things were not good. <laughs> things were awful. Things are awful. But, you know, things like that happen to other people, too. It's not like I'm the only one that's had to deal with that. So, you know, we move forward because, I mean, that's what Dad would have wanted me to do. Like, for sure. Like, because that's the type of person Dad always was, is that, you know, you move forward. Like, he went through a lot of health issues, and then he would get better, and then he just moved forward. And I think that's sort of how I have to take things doesn't mean I can't, I don't cry or don't have feelings about it. It's just you process them and you move forward, right? Because he's not coming back. So you just celebrate who he was and try to take the best parts of him and implement them to yourself. So, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, but, I mean, again, like I said, ever since, my anxiety has gone to a new level, and it, it sucks, because I was doing so well before it happened, and it's been a long road, and, like, it's hard to take care of yourself when you just feel hopeless a lot of the times so I mean but that's why I go to therapy and that's why I see the psychiatrist and the doctor and everything like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do things <laughs> and I'm hoping that the idiot Kenny doesn't make things privatized so then I have to pay a thousand dollars each visit for everything and then I have no money like that and I'll end up going bankrupt and shit because he's an idiot and he doesn't know how to financially support this province like I don't know but anyways um, this has been kind of a rambly episode about like anxiety and depression and stuff like that and I really didn't go to like deeper details about like the mechanisms of anxiety and the mechanisms of depression, but I think people already know about that. I just sort of, like, the best uh, description I've heard, actually, comes from a show, The Good Place, which uh, one of the characters, Chidi, is a very, um, he's a neurotic character, and he he has a line where he says, you know the sound that it makes when there's a fork in the garbage disposal? That's the sound my brain makes all the time. And I feel that completely. Like, there's always so many synapses firing and different decisions and everything. Like, you're thinking a mile, not a thousand miles a minute, like about everything like it's not you you can't 
capture one thing. It's always one different thing, a different thing, a different thing. And what the outcome could be or what the outcome might not be or what you get what you want or you're not going to get what you want. It's just, yeah, like that was a really profound line for me to hear, especially in a, like a network show. Uh, um, <coughs> which is great, like, that they're sort of, you know, destigmatizing that type of behavior and stuff in mainstream TV. So, anyways, this is uh, this is going to wrap up the episode of the Rap and Roger podcast. So, until next time, I bid you adieu, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye.